Welcome to session three of our Happy at Home series. Today is called Food for Thought. My name is Anna Greenwald, and I'm the founder and CEO here at On The Goga. Um, I will be joined today by our amazing lead nutrition coach. But before we introduce here, her really quick, let me just take a moment to A, welcome all of you. And in that, talk a little bit about why we're here. We're here for you. As a team, On The Goga came together to create this series about four weeks ago as a simple way for us to provide free tools for well-being to our entire community, which includes all of you all. Um, and the intention was really just to give you guys some time to support your health and happiness amidst what is undoubtedly an undeniably challenging time. We are dedicating 30 minutes each week and even if it just feels like a 30 minute brain break for you, I know last week someone said that they used this time to fold the laundry and just take a little brain break uh, to discuss ways that we can help our health and happiness that are in our control, even though there's a lot going on right now that is out of our control. Last week, we talked about home office hacks and Really the key here, even if you weren't here last week, was just that our brain is incredibly impacted by our environment. So we spoke to three of our amazing wellness coaches through their unique lens. We had movement and ergonomics, we had financials and goal setting, and we had nutrition. And we just kind of spoke to each expert about how our brain is impacted by our environment through each of these lenses and small practical things that we can do to help our health and happiness. So like I said, we touched a little bit on food last week, but this week is all about food. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce our wellness expert for the day. She is our lead nutrition coach here at On The Goga, uh, a registered dietitian with a specialization in functional health and hormone balance and fertility. Uh, she's also just the smartest nutritionist I've ever met and lover of all things food, nutrition, and wellness. So Olivia, welcome. Hey, Anna. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm so excited to have you here today. We had a lot of people with a lot of different questions last week about food. And so we took all of those and kind of packaged them up into this presentation today to try to address a lot of those questions. And what we're kind of going to be doing is just discussing food through the lens of not just how it can support our health, right, but our happiness. So can you give us an overview of what that's going to look like? Absolutely. So food is so much more than what we eat. And I think oftentimes we forget about that. And I want to bring a different focus to how you think about your food. Nu really, nutrition is such a big and confusing topic. And a lot of people, I think, tend to get caught up in the details on labels. And as a dietitian, I get asked questions like this all the time, right? Like, which diet is best for me? Is this diet good versus you know, keto, low carb, vegetarian, how many calories should I eat? All of these very finite detailed questions, but instead we're going to back the lens up and look at food from a broader perspective and really see how it impacts our mood, our happiness, and our overall well-being. Awesome. This kind of leads into our first question. 
Olivia, what did you have for breakfast today? Today, I kept it simple. I just stuck with a no-bake breakfast, so no cook. And I did two clementines. I did some macadamia nuts. I did some hard-boiled eggs. So I had uh, a really easy, that were already cooked. So super easy. That's awesome. I'm seeing a lot of oatmeal. Oatmeal seems to be our most popular breakfast today in the chat box. Uh, we've got some cereal. Someone said that they made pizza on matzah in preparation for Passover. Love um, I love that because it's a non-traditional breakfast food too. So coming back to this idea of using food for happiness, the first question is, does food, food choices impact our thoughts or do thoughts impact our food choices? So raise your hand if you think that food choices impact your thoughts. All right, cool. I think our peak here has been 24. So then raise your hand if you think your thoughts impact your food choices. So this is actually a trick question and <laughs> both answers are correct. This is really cool and I'm excited to unpack this. The idea is that foods that we eat have a physiological impact on our body foods we put into our body doesn't just go in one end and not the other, right? So when we metabolize foods, that happens mostly in our gut, our stomach, our intestines, our gut breaks these foods down into certain compounds, right? It, it uses these compounds like fiber, vitamins, minerals, even things like phytonutrients from foods. And these all communicate certain chemical message to our brain those chemical messages then can really make us feel certain ways. So we can feel happy, sad, energized, or even anxious, all mm. because of that food. And so the gut and brain are really a two-way street. They're always in communication with each other. Yeah. And that, I mean, that makes so much sense to me, you know, from a mindfulness perspective, we talk about this a lot, like all these systems in our body are connected. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. All systems are connected. So this means that what we're thinking, those thoughts can actually impact our food choices. And, and I think we've all felt this, right? Like when we're stressed or sad, we may reach for different foods. We may reach for comfort foods instead of foods that we may reach for when we are not feeling that way. So it actually is a cycle that can perpetrate, like lead into each of these uh, questions. Yeah. So I think that's a really important just empathy moment that I want to reiterate. Like we're all dealing with a lot of stress right now. And that stress is a physical, physiological experience. Even though some of us are like at home thinking, all right, I'm at home. I'm going to eat really healthy. We are snacking, going for the foods that might feel a little bit more uh, indulgent. But I'd love to just take a moment to you know, reiterate that's happening to all of us. We're going to dive into why. And if you want to put in the chat box, you know, what is a little comfort food that you enjoy? What's a comfort food that you go to when you need a little pick me up? I am personally uh, an ice cream person. So mm. yeah, there's a lot of ice cream heads. Yeah. Fill yes. Up. I see ice cream. <laughs> yes. Cereal. Yeah. Hot Cheetos. Woo. Chocolate. 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 That's totally me. Yeah. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. I'm not sure if people are just writing this repeatedly or if everyone agrees <laughs> on chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> um, extra toasty Cheez-Its. I love that. Yeah. So I just want to point that out because like the reality is that food is awesome and sometimes you just need to, you know, eat a bag of hot Cheetos. But 
essentially, <laughs> Olivia, it sounds like what you're telling me is that stress eating is a real thing. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And I love just like calling this out right in the beginning. It's important to address. We all experience it and it, it's helpful because we don't want to, we don't want to minimize this. We don't want to minimize any shame that might come along with it. Now more than ever, it's really important to focus on what we can control and let go of what we can't control, right? So we can't control our stressors. However, the amazing thing is that food can have a hugely positive impact on our, in our lives in ways we may not even realize. And that all begins in the mind. Absolutely. So I'm sold. I did walk us through how this works. Amazing. Let's get started. So really it all begins with exactly how stress affects our food choices, right? So stress, whether physical or emotional triggers, what is called our fight, flight, or freeze response. And this sends chemical or hormonal signals to the body to help deal with the situation, right? Our body's really intuitive. So, but when you're, when you're in this survival mode, anything goes, okay? So think about it. When your body imagines that you have a threat that needs to be fought off, the last thing that's going to happen is worrying about digesting that burger you just ate, right? Or that ice cream or that pizza. Your brain and your body deprioritize these less important to survival tasks, right? Um, these can include regulating your hunger, digestion, like I just mentioned, um, even things like managing your circadian rhythm so that you can sleep well, and even supporting the immune system so you don't get sick. This can even look like your go-to healthy habits going out the window. Yeah. I mean, raise your hand if you've experienced that, like you're in this moment of stress and the things that normally you find easy to do suddenly are harder to do. Your go-to healthy habits seem that much harder. Yeah. I see a lot of hands going up right now, over 30 hands going up right now. So, you know, it makes sense. We can get stuck in this vicious cycle of our stressed out thoughts impacting our habits. And then, you know, like you said, it's important not to minimize that we can then feel bad about these choices. And then we find ourselves again right back on the couch eating the ice cream because we don't feel good. So that's kind of the cycle you're talking about, right? Totally. So what we have to recognize that once we're in that stress response, our, our brain is actually looking for a way to get a dopamine fix, really. And dopamine is what makes us feel happy and content and, and satisfied in that moment. So it seeks out foods to do that. And, and these foods that, that it's seeking out are going to be foods that provide that quickest source of energy, that quickest release of dopamine in the brain. And those foods are sugary foods, fatty foods, foods that are quickly digestible, like quickly digested carbohydrates. So that mm -hmm. really gets that message to the brain in, in a, the shortest time possible. So, I, I mean, it, the cycle you're talking about just kind of keeps getting deeper, right? Because I can understand, you know, we're having like a stressful moment at, first of all, the entirety of the situation is stressful. And then maybe we have a stressful moment during the morning, right? Which then triggers our brain to go after that quick fix, you know, pizza or Oreos or whatever it is. And then you know, hopefully we, we don't have this response, but it's very common to then have the response of, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just ate an entire sleeve of Oreos, which then I would imagine your thoughts can become the stress that you're worried about, right? Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm so happy that you mentioned that last piece because thoughts, and even if they're just a fleeting thought or a thought that we might not even recognize, these thoughts are super powerful in this stress cycle. 
there's actually an incredible study um, that comes out of the Columbia Business School in New York, and it's by a psychologist named Aaliyah Crum. It's called the Milkshake Study, and it's one of my favorites. It mm. basically shows that our stressful thoughts about food actually impact how we digest that food. And the way that she kind of went about this study is that she had two groups. They got the same milkshake. She made this huge batch of milkshakes <laughs> and she gave one, one group a milk, the same milkshake, but with different labels. So one group got one that was labeled like high, high calorie, really decadent and rich. The other group got one with a label that was more low calorie and quote unquote healthy, right? The people that had the decadent, higher calorie milkshake actually had a higher release of those stress hormones that we mentioned earlier, even though they were drinking the exact same milkshake. Wow. That is wild. And now I want a milkshake. <laughs> also totally goes to your point about how thoughts trigger us to want food. So uh, I guess the takeaway here is that thoughts and emotions uh, basically trigger this chemical reaction in our bodies and brains, specifically right now for a lot of us, that looks like stress. And then the Im that impacts how our brains and bodies try to cope with that, which can look like stress eating, uh, which is pretty amazing. But also I'm sure there are a lot of people out there right now looking at their screens like, uh, okay, great. So I'm all stressed and so now I'm eating food and that's gonna make me more stressed. So uh, I guess the next part we're gonna go into, how do we break this cycle? Uh, so what does that look like? Yeah, so we have to remember that food is powerful, right? And the great thing about this cycle is that by changing one small input here, you can really change the entire cycle that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you three top practical tips to really implement that can change that entire cycle and how that then fuels the continuation. So number one, we have to just recognize that we can't change our stressors right? There are many things we cannot change. However, we can change how we respond to them. So the number one change we can make is to manage the fight, flight, or freeze response through techniques like mindfulness, meditation, deep breathing, etc. I know I always used to think that this was second nature, like second important, like if these weren't even that important. Um, yeah, whatever, like mindfulness, but it's so it's number one. It has quickly mm. moved up to number one of my practical tips here. And, and I'm sure you can speak to this too. There's so many things and mindfulness and it, where it's just, it has to be priority because that's that first message that we're sending our body. Right. Essentially what you're saying is that if we can become aware of the thoughts that are creating stress then we can work to manage those and we can stop the cycle. It's not going to take away the stressor. And I think that's a really important point mm -hmm. to just reiterate. It's not going to change the situation, but if we can become mindful of our thoughts and begin to manage them in different ways, that can, like you said, get in there and kind of disrupt, disrupt the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So right here, you know, practicing compassion, not beating yourself up when you eat that ice cream, be kind to yourself knowing that, you know, those, those negative thoughts can actually, they're not going to help break that stress cycle. So number one, change those thoughts that impact our food choices. Mm. Number two is choose foods that we know can help to trigger those positive brain chemicals in a sustainable way. 
So these foods, again, it's not just in, out. These change the way that our gut communicates to our brain. So instead of always falling into the trap of going to that sugar, which may give you a rush and a crash, we want to choose foods that communicate that message, like whole fruit that contain that fiber and phytonutrients. Healthy fats are critical here. I love that there's an avocado in this picture mm. because healthy fats like avocados, nuts, seeds, full fat dairy, if you can tolerate it, and healthy oils like olive oil and avocado oil. These are so important in preventing that rush that that rush and crash and these actually send a more calming message to the body to get it out of that fight flight or freeze mode so essentially when we're looking for that food to boost energy it's not that we can't do that it's just that certain foods that we eat are going to result in a happier brain and body uh like a grabbing fruit instead of necessarily an Oreo. Mm -hmm. Quick question for you, Olivia. Like, what if I just need an Oreo? Like, can I add a healthy fat or some fiber into that snack if I want to actually like have the little taste of the Oreo, but then sustain my energy? Yeah, that's an amazing question. And here it is important to remember that, yeah, have an Oreo, enjoy the Oreo. We want to just make sure that the next meal or snack we're having is balanced. So we want to bring mm. in those healthy fats. Maybe have some nut butter and a piece of fruit after that, right? So yeah. what that does is it actually pulls, it's going to prevent that blood sugar rise and then subsequent crash and prevent then cravings for maybe the whole sleeve of Oreos. Right. So, I was going to yeah. say, it's just what Linda just said in the chat. We have to remember that food is not bad, right? Yes. Like food is amazing. There are just some choices in certain times and moments that might be more beneficial. And so these tips that we're, we're putting out are just knowledge and information that you can have when you're making food choices. Yes, that was well said, Linda. And a lot of people, you know, when they hear, you know, I'm a, a dietitian or they're going to talk to a dietitian or talking to a nutritionist, it's like, you know, you're going to tell me all the food I can't eat and you're going to mm -hmm. take away all this fun and delicious food. Well, no, food is amazing and food is so much more than calories and um, energy. But we have to remember that uh, food does make us feel certain ways and impact future decisions. So we got to use that to our advantage. It's really an advantage. And so that kind of goes into the third one. Keep yourself nourished, right? Food is nourishing. Food is information. Don't let yourself get too hungry. That's when you might, might find yourself, you know, eating the whole carton of ice cream rather than just having a portion that makes you feel good after eating it. Um, and this also is, you know, making sure you're, you're getting those three macronutrients in there. So kind of talking about those healthy fats, proteins, carbohydrates, all of these are very important. And when we pull out one of those, it's really difficult to then have that balanced communication between the gut and brain. And in general, caring for yourself in other ways rather than uh, just relying on kind of hyper-focusing on food, right? Mm -hmm. Communicate a community, um, even if it's through Zoom right now, um, connecting right. with people in, in a way and, and really um, having passions outside of your work and et cetera. Those, those are just all incredible ways to nourish yourself, mind and body. That's awesome. Uh, I just want to kind of wrap up those three points with you know, what is the, the core takeaway of the day, which is that food is amazing. Uh, and 
the food around us, it, it, it is a tool for happiness. And to your point, Olivia, you know, we don't have to overemphasize food in our lives right now. Like it can be a source of joy. It can be a tool for creating happiness, but overall it's just one contributing factor to our overall well-being. And so these practical tips are just ways to fuel your health and happiness. And it's going to look a little bit different on every single day. So Evan actually just in the chat asked a great question and I'm going to kind of move it this over to a little bit more of an open Q&A session since I know that you guys had some really great questions that you wanted to ask Olivia. And so let's start with Evan's question. So Evan said, I get conflicting information. Is it better to eat multiple small meals and snacks throughout the day or three meals and follow the eat like a king in the morning, prince at lunch and popper at dinner model. So Olivia, I'll turn that over to you. And if anybody else has questions specifically around food and like how food might work for you or might be impacting your lives right now, please go ahead and put those in the chat and we'll kind of go from there in terms of uh, finishing out this session today. Yeah, so great question, Evan. This is one where I it is going to be different for everybody. And I know that answer is probably annoying. However, everyone is so different in their physiology, right? Their hormonal balance, their goals, their body composition. So this can differ for everyone. But there is more information now, more studies in the science now that are indicating three meals um, are actually may be better than snacking all throughout the day. However, it depends on what you're eating at those three meals, right? So that's where that macronutrient balance is super important. Healthy fats, protein, and carbs at each meal. And that's going to allow your, your hormones, um, your digestive hormones to come down between meals and digest that food and kind of reset that balance instead of snacking all day. And uh, eat awesome. the king in the morning, a prince at lunch, popper dinner. Yeah, I, that's got some interesting science behind it too. And a lot of really promising information there. So, which is, I think it, it but you got to try it for yourself. See if it works for you. I always say that. I think that's a really good point because it's like any of these, most of these can be helpful. It just is about listening to your body and seeing what works. So a little bit of a follow-up question for that. Uh, Carla asked, what about intermittent fasting? And then Aja asked any information about keto. So do you have like a little bit of tidbits around those and how they might work for different people? Totally. Yeah. So intermittent fasting, lots of great research on this as well. Lots of benefit. However, it's highly variable. If you're someone who has imbalanced hormones or you have cravings, thyroid issues, immune issues, maybe this isn't the best for you. So it's important to listen to your body. Always start small um, and, and maybe start with a maybe eight hour fast overnight, see how you feel. You could increase it by maybe two hour intervals. Um, but always checking in with yourself and not pushing your body past a, a beneficial point. And the same with keto. So keto, again, lots of great research. Keto has been actually found to be more beneficial in short term rather than long-term diet maintenance. So the issue here comes back to those macronutrients. When we pull out a whole macronutrient category, in this case, carbohydrates, um, keto for people who don't maybe aren't familiar with that is very low carb and higher fat and protein. So you get a lot of good metabolic benefit in the short term. However, 
you miss out on benefits from carbohydrates in the long term. And this can look like lowered thyroid function. This can even look like uh, an impact on healthy gut health and your gut microbiome because your microbiome needs fiber that comes from carbohydrates. So long-term, the studies aren't looking like it's that beneficial, but working with someone to find out this proper balance for you is definitely a, a good idea. And I think that's really important too, because there's so much nuance with this. It's not either good or bad, just like Linda was saying about food. It's finding what works for you. And so thinking about duration and also there's, you, you know, you and I were just talking about this the other day, Olivia, there's so many different ways to do a keto diet. Mm -hmm. um, so that's great. Just uh, to answer Beth's question, could you repeat the third practical tip from earlier? Uh, that was just stay nourished. So Olivia, you know, correct me if I, if I'm missing anything, but that's don't get too hungry, which I think we can, especially if we're all working really hard right now, can be an easy trap to fall into. And then make sure that you're nourishing yourself with all three macros, but also nourishing yourself in other ways outside of food, like taking brain breaks and spending time with your, your family members, even if that's virtually through Zoom. Spot on. Yep. You got it. So I guess we'll wrap up with a final question. Uh, and this one I think is really important when we're working from home constantly. It's from Aja. She says, what is the deal with eating before or after a certain time? Yeah. So again, you know, this is a very good question. I love this question because it touches on kind of some areas we already talked about, but diving into some new eating after a certain time can impact your sleep. It can also impact your circadian rhythm. So mm -hmm. when we're, if we're eat late, we're digesting food while we're sleeping and you're not getting that good rest and repair. So it is a good idea not to eat too late um, because then you're not getting that benefit. That's our, our, when we're sleeping, that's a time where our body cleans out and repairs and regenerates. So I, yeah, it's good to kind of not have a huge meal before bed, but if you need a little snack to help you sleep better, because a lot of times that helps people with uh, blood sugar regulation, then that's also, you know, can be very beneficial for some people. Awesome. Well, Olivia, thank you so much. I know there's a couple questions we didn't get to, which we will follow up with you via email. So if you have other questions, please feel free to throw them in the chat, but we will see you next week. Same time, same virtual place for our session on local pro tips. So we're actually going to be featuring some local business owners to kind of share their expertise with you and ways to enhance your health and happiness. As always, you can scan that little barcode and let us know what you loved about this uh, presentation, what you'd love to see more of, what you didn't love so much, and those things really help us grow. So thank you guys so much for joining. And thank you, Olivia. You are amazing.